What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today on Anatomy of a Movie, we're talking all about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the great female movement that she started back in the 60s on On the Basis of Sex. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Hello, moviegoers. Welcome back to the Popcorn Talk Network. We are here doing Anatomy of a Movie for the film On the Basis of Sex, directed by Mimi Leader, one of my favorite directors. I'm your host, Marissa Serafini. Joining me, I have... Hey, everyone. I'm Mina Wahab. Stoked to be back. Yes, we're, we're excited to have you back. It's the ladies' panel today. We also have Juliet, Bonjour Juliet, in the booth, who also saw this film. Bonjour, guys. Hello. Very excited to discuss this today. Yes, very, very excited. I I, mean, I really enjoy this film, and we're definitely going to get into it. Before we do, um, always, we like to always warn people, this is very spoil-heavy, so if you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie, and then come back and watch us. Or watch us, and hopefully we do our jobs and making you want to go see the the film, but we are very spoiler heavy. And if you want to join us along with the conversation, if you follow the cl- link, just click it below in, in the description. And it has all of our notes that we're going to talk about, things that, uh, all the facts in there, and things if we didn't cover during the discussion, you can also read about it in our notes there. So click the PDF link, and boom, all set. Uh, on the basis of sex, Mina, what were your quick thoughts about this film? Going into it, I wasn't sure how I would feel. I thought it might be a little boring, but I actually really liked it. Like, even during the opening scene, I had... This sounds a little silly, but it was like a flashback to Legally Blonde, but obviously more serious, <laughs> obviously far-reaching right. effects, and without the without the humor. Um, I thought it was very inspirational. It was a story that needed to be told, and wow, she's actually still alive at 85, and she gets to see this and we had a very beautiful special tribute at the end that left me emotional tears in my eyes i was Mm -hmm. like goosebumps wow what a great end to such a beautifully told story where you're focusing on just one of her major wins early in her career yeah and julia i know you and phil actually covered the documentary rbg um, all about Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life. So I know you have some familiarity with uh, her life. Well, what were your thoughts about this film? I think, I mean, they did a great job with this scripted film. Uh, really, really what a great tribute. And I do really recommend if you haven't seen the documentary, <coughs> please go ahead and do so because they talk about uh, just, you know, her life overall and this specific 
specific case that we this movie highlights, and you just kind of get to put more, I guess, real faces. Although they, I think they were very respectful to do that in the movie, uh, but they just really complement each other so so well. So please go watch it, and if you have already seen it, like honestly, see it again. It's worth it. Yeah, I agreed. I admittedly just watched the documentary about 15 minutes ago. So it's nice and fresh in my head. And I think for the documentary style, very well done, um, well paced and good interviews from like Bill Clinton and then people involved in her life, like her, her kids and the, her, her fellow coworkers, like throughout the years talking about her and even, you know, RBG herself. And, um, it showed like a lighter side, and she she has personality, but where covers her life from like start to where she is now. And I think the great thing about on the basis of sex, it is more scripted, it is more drama, fictionalized in some ways, but you know that is for the story making. People would say we uh, they they Hollywood it, mm-hmm. you know, but they made it in a way that it's definitely you, you can follow through because a lot of people can't follow cases. It gets very convoluted and confusing in that sense. And I think this job, this movie, did a great job of understanding her her life at certain parts and of her um, certain moments of her life. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's get into it. So the development of this film actually. Um, Produced by Focus Features, but back in, actually on my birthday, July 18th of 2017, they reported that uh, Felicity Jones uh, was going to play the role at Ginsburg. And it just kind of got the the movie, you know, going in development in that sense. But it was actually the, the writer of this film. It was his first time producing a feature script was Daniel St- Stipleman, who's mm-hmm. actually the niece, or sorry, the nephew of Ruth. In real life, and I think that's pretty pretty fascinating. Well, what are your thoughts about that? I think that's really sweet because it's a chance for him to better know his aunt in a different light because you mm-hmm. already know her, but it's like, okay, like let's really talk about her accomplishments because how often, like we have relationships with our parents, with our family, but how often do we like sit down, interview them, really try to get to the meat of everything that they've done in great detail? So he had to have done that to be able to write a script like this that focused on such a specific part of her time as an attorney. Yeah, um, and I think it's fantastic to to get, like, the real, actual... um, It it just makes it more credible Mm -hmm. to get the actual justice um, input on the story and what happened in her life. And uh, it's it's nice to get, like, a first hand of kind of informing in in that sense, so, like, fact-based. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I think it was very well... Um, produced in, in in the writing sense because there there were so many moments where um, there were levity um, moments where like the daughter would would speak up and like say certain lines that were funny and then uh, we have uh, Ruth she can't cook in the kitchen so moments of levity and humor in that sense but then when it gets to the courtroom scenes and I'm not trying to jump ahead but when it gets to the courtroom scenes or the moot court cases it's mm-hmm. like a completely different tone. Yeah. And I think for a first-time writer, I think he did a great job of just spanning the different emotions within human. I I feel like he could have done a slightly better job with that just because the one emotion we don't see a lot of from Ruth is outrage or rage. Everything is very much, like, in her performance, it's, like, very, like, internalized 
upset. Like, you never, like, really see her lash out or show, like, how passionate and angry she was. Although I did think Felicity Jones's performance was great. I feel like there could have been a wider range of emotion there. Because a lot of the things that happened, I think us as viewers, we were outraged. Right. I, I, I thought about that, too, because there aren't moments you see her actually get, like, over-the-top angry or yelling. Mm-hmm. But now, having just watched the documentary 15 minutes ago... Uh, all of her peers said she was a very quiet kind of person. She she mm-hmm. was she was soft spoken. You never really see her get angry in that sense. Just her personally. So and I think maybe that translated to the character in this movie that we don't see an angry Ruth. We just see someone who gets upset. Yes, she has an emotional moments, but she gets upset and actually takes action. She doesn't get angry. She just takes action. Um, Juliet, what are your thoughts about that? Do do you agree that we saw like a good human spectrum of emotions from Ruth in this film? Yeah, definitely. And I think that I really appreciated how they were just talking about the fact that she was shy, and this you know she wasn't really of an outgoing nature, and that sometimes has has uh, drawbacks when it comes to fighting your case. And I think that something that uh, women really relate to because not you know you're not necessarily we're not necessarily all shy but this idea of just representation and how am I going to be perceived and how is what I'm saying actually going to be felt by others and I really enjoy that they really stretched that a lot in the movie yeah absolutely and and there were moments where that uh they would take her her quiet kind of meekness and use that as an invulnerability against her Mm -hmm. um and then but it was her intelligence and the way she spoke and the way she presented cases that won the audience. Yeah. Um, maybe not her. Because, like, when you, you can't go into a court looking like you're meek in that sense. You have to have a strong personality. You have to um, hold yourself against everybody else who's going to be. Then that's the point, of course. Like, people are going to argue against you, but you have to stand your ground. Mm-hmm. And to have someone who doesn't look strong enough to do that, you like, they're going to trample all of you. Yeah. And I think... And we saw them try very, yeah, try. very hard to just kind of tear down. And I think that's how the legal system is. It's because you're trying to see how strong that person's argument is. Like, is this a valid argument based on logic and facts and the law and the Constitution? Right. And because she was so well-informed and so educated and well-spoken and intelligent, that's what won her. That compensated for her her appearance of looking more shy right. on the outside. And I think they did a good job of that. And I think Felicity Jones, I mean, she's a fantastic actress, like really portrayed that. And now I need to watch the, the RBG documentary because I am so fast. I need to like learn as much as I can about RBG now. You should. It's very eye-opening in the sense of like what she um, has done in real life. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of, pre- now having seen that, I appreciate this film more because on the basis of sex the movie really only focuses on one major case and one like side case too that also adds to the argument but rgb kind of covers multiple cases and Mm -hmm. like spans of decades and this one really spanned upon like the first first and second decade of her life Mm -hmm. um but yeah going into the a little bit more about the the writing um so Daniel Stackelman, he, he went up to the justice, his aunt, and asked why this particular case. And she said, well, because um, this was the only case that she actually tried with Marty, her husband, Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that's really fascinating because back in the 1960s, it's usually the men at this time. It's the men who's at the forefront and always arguing and being lawyers. Uh, and I, I think this movie does a great job of showing a case that was equally argued argued with both a male and a female. Yeah, and what that reminds me of is, remember the one of the very early scenes in the movie where the dean is asking all of the women, why do you deserve to be here and take a man's spot? And keep in mind, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg was in law school, this was six years after they said, oh, women can go to law school. So right. she was one of the first. She was a trailblazer in this sense. and She was one out of nine females um, in that particular class, and there were over 560 males. Mm-hmm. She was one of nine females. That is crazy. But I, crazy. her response, I loved how sarcastic it was. Oh, I want to be a lawyer so that I can better understand my husband's profession. Mm-hmm. And just like the sarcasm of her playing into the stereotypes and playing into like how the men felt about women being there and then for her to go and represent this case with her husband and even though it was like equally represented she definitely had such a loud and strong voice with the case yeah well what were your thoughts of dean uh the you know the dean of harvard who said that um you know played wonderfully by sam watterson who is a fantastic actor in and of himself but he the dean griswold um, mentioning that because that is an actual quote that he said that like why do you deserve to take the earth to have this position when a man could have easily been here um, what are your thoughts about that you know in context it makes sense I can't say oh he's right or wrong but because we live in the time we live in now we're kind of entitled to this like feeling of equality when in the past there was this like very clear sentiment of separate but equal and and a very clear notion of gender roles and what you can do as a woman what you can't do as a woman what you can do as a man what you can't do as a man and even when they say later on in the movie oh do you want women to work in the military now oh do you want women to be garbage men like is that a mm-hmm. job for you so i understand where he's coming from because it's literally just a symptom of the times and still to this day sometimes i feel things um like sentiments that are similar that are sometimes reiterated by my dad which it's very very frustrating Um, when people don't see that women are just as capable of doing the same job as a man, if not better, especially with law. I feel like law is something centered on justice and equality. So who better to represent the the disenfranchised groups than a woman? Than a woman, yeah. Like, there's going to be passion there. There's going to be fury. There's going to be a desire for fairness and for justice. So I... It was frustrating. Like, you have all these qualifications and someone is still telling you, why do you deserve to be here over a man? Where a man Why does a man here. deserve to be here over a woman? Right. Why? Again, it's a sign of the times. It's just no one questions it because it is the way it is. So even when we hear the judges later on saying, this has been a precedent again and again and again, well, just because something's a precedent doesn't mean that it's okay. It just means that is the status quo. And what I love about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and about this portrayal of her character is that she talks about how her mom, or her husband says this in the movie, her mom told her to question everything. You never just take something at face value. Why are things the way they are? And that is so important in our legal system, to really question everything, and if things are moral, if things are just, if things are fair. Right, people are just sheep. 
or mm-hmm. women are just sheep or treated like sheep and right. like and you know it really only takes one to actually question everything and then rbg was was one of them uh juliet what are your thoughts of you know the whole statement um that the dean said that women shouldn't be there that it, it could have been a man's in that position uh i couldn't help but laugh honestly uh during that whole scene because it just showed so much ignorance um and just this complete different you know mindset there's no spot that's taken away from anyone it's whoever deserves and everyone's deserving if you work hard you can achieve anything no matter what your background ethnicity gender um and just it's it's also saddening because it bring if you have that mentality it brings down just you know humanity as a whole because you're not allowing certain opportunities for us to all uplift each other so i honestly i laughed and i really liked how uh rgb kind of um, was always going back at him and she had very snarky remarks and i was like yeah you go girl yeah (laughs) um i completely agree because now that I think this is a good time just in the society and the whole Me Too movement and we see a progression of women now getting more opportunities because we are standing up for ourselves, because we believe um, we can do the job better if, or like equally, if not better than a man in this type of position. Granny, if you showed this movie 20 years ago, I don't think it would have hit as hard as it does today with that particular line because we know women mm-hmm. can do we know women are lawyers we know uh that women have progressed so much in all these decades even since before uh ruth started um being a lawyer we know just the signs of the times that we are an ever-changing society and and in a lot of ways i feel like when uh when you are a minority group and you're in the same position as a white male counterpart you deserve to be there even more because you had to jump through so many more hoops to prove why you're even overqualified. And oftentimes people are like, oh, it's a free pass so that there's diversity in the workplace. Oh, this person got in easily because they're a woman or because they're black or because they're Hispanic or because they're a minority. But Mm -hmm. no, you have to work twice as hard to prove your worth. You have to work twice as hard to earn the same amount of respect that a white male counterpart would get just by walking in. Right. And we did see her work twice as hard because when Martin got sick mm-hmm. with cancer, she was doing the work of his and hers at the same time in school. Like she was typing up his notes. And then when she was done, she was typing up her own notes from her own class. So and you she literally was a see mom. her t- and being a taking mom. Taking care of the baby. We don't really see him taking care of the baby the way that she does. Maybe once in the film. Yeah. That was it. And that was like right at the beginning. But you see her literally working twice as hard also being a mother and learning as much as she can especially when she was auditing classes as well mm-hmm. and um so you, you see she's making the effort to actually learn and it's not just that like you she has to do all of these things and at the same time she doesn't put herself first when marty gets a new job when he gets a new um opportunity she has to kind of rotate her life around that because being a mom being a wife She's like, okay, what's best for the family? Not just, oh, I need to stay at Harvard because Harvard is a better name. And then she ends up going to Columbia where she learns so many great things that help her in the future. Right. And uh, this is what the documentary actually helped make me understand more um, because we see in the film where a couple years have passed. Mm -hmm. This is like right after Martin got um, diagnosed with cancer, but a couple years have passed and now she's trying to transfer to Columbia 
and the dean's also being an a-hole, not approving this transfer and what have you. But th- this is where the documentary helps, where it realized that Martin actually got a job in New York. Therefore, because of the signs of the times, she had to follow him mm-hmm. over to New York, from Cambridge to New York. And that's why she was trying to transfer to Columbia. I didn't really understand that watching the film, but watching RGB, or RBG, RBG <laughs> that helped me. Yeah. So, but also, it, it and it's, it's a great way that she got education from two different schools because they taught differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked how Harvard seems like one singular type of learning style compared to what she actually learned in Columbia that applied more to her career. Yeah, and it's it's funny how this is just life, you know, the things that we think are rejections or are the worst things that are happening to us are actually, as Marie Menounos always says, the things that are happening to you are happening for you, and mm-hmm. this is clearly something that benefited her long term. Whether she wanted to see it or not, she saw it in hindsight that this helped her, and I love, love, love the scene where she's like, oh, actually, I learned that at Columbia. <laughs> right. Oh, so satisfying. And you so can just see, like, the the green, the dean's face just, like, just drop. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, she got you. She got you with education that you didn't teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. And it was, it was a great zing. <laughs> And it burned back to him because it just shows that, yeah, if you only teach one way, you're not going to grow. Right. So. Agree. I, I, I definitely enjoy it. Let's talk a little bit about the, the actual case. Okay. Um, so it was like Charles Moritz case versus <coughs> Denver. And it, he had to hire a nurse to help him care for his aging mother so he could continue to work. He was denied a tax deduction for the nursing care and the Section 214 of Internal Revenue Code specifically limited the deduction to a woman, not a man. So there lies the whole sex discrimination because um, he was a male, not a female. And this just lights a fire under uh, Ruth to be like, hey, if this is happening to a man, people are going to listen to us now that we say... It's happening to both male and female. Your thoughts about this? Oh, so freaking brilliant. Because when there are power structures, like when there's a power dynamic in play, when you know that the man is in the position of power, the woman is not, you have to do something to get people to listen. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was the smartest thing that you could do is to take on a case like this and prove, like, okay, if I can show that you know, men need to be treated equally, then as a result, it means that women need to be treated equally. So Mm -hmm. it's equality for the sexes, for the sexes in general. So I don't know. I just thought the the way that was portrayed in that light bulb moment, it was such a pivotal, pivotal moment in the movie. I, I can't even articulate how I feel about it because it's what made this movie great. Right. And it, it is, it was a great moment for Ruth to realize that. It also is a very sad realization of just the country. We will listen more when it when a man is involved. Of course. Because we had cases upon cases, and we can't even list them all, where females were discriminated, but no one was going to listen or pay attention to. But the moment a man was involved with discrimination, it was like, oh, wait, something's happening. This still happens to this day, though. And this is why, um, I mean, right now what we're seeing is 
is feminism, but even when you look at feminism in itself, there's white feminism and then there's intersectional feminism. So there's the feminists who are going to say, we want this, we want that, but then we're kind of forgetting all the people of color, the brown people who still fall under that category, but we're not paying attention to them, and I don't consider that feminism. So, right. like, this happens even at that level. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and they were trying to make it, uh, argue it like a race case. And mm-hmm. it really wasn't. It was more just a gender-based case. Um, Julia, I, w- I want to know what your thoughts of um, when this case was presented and what Ruth did to to really take a take it on herself to to represent Charles. Um, I think it was so sweet. I also really love how Charles just it was his story as well and how he really trusted her and he trusted her at times when she didn't trust herself and then she trusted him when he didn't trust himself they, they really complimented each other so so well and it's just the perfect case just to take this scenario and just you know in a way reverse engineer it and just the smartest way and I, I really really enjoyed that and and again I I just the honesty that Charles and uh rgb had with him you know she would tell him always what her best intentions were she even says well well, maybe we'll uh this is better for you but this is better for the overall cause what do you want and just had so much respect for charles and yeah i completely agree because we see charles he's just in a position where he doesn't know what to do Mm -hmm. he's been turned down by i believe it was what was it ford other lawyers Mm -hmm. and until ruth said yes so like he's been in position of denial as well and ruth we see ruth has always been turned down by other people so like they're both kind of equal in that sense where people just didn't listen to them or give them the chance to Mm -hmm. yeah and um, on top of that to go further marissa they're both in like she's being portrayed as this woman who is greedy in a way who wants more than a housewife life and Mm -hmm. he's being portrayed as someone who tax fraud as a criminal in a way and as someone that he's also being uh I, I don't can't really i don't know what the word is but they're trying to feminize him in a way they're trying to say that he's lesser than and so they're they both relate on that sense yeah, yeah i agree with that because you know a bachelor at that time who was unmarried taking care of a parent that was not something that was normal or normalized and yeah it's definitely something that he was being judged for in that moment. Yeah, that that was kind of an, an anomaly situation to the point it, never, it rarely ever happens that they didn't even think about it mm-hmm. when it came to that constitutional law because they just didn't think that was an option. I want to really or quickly... Possibility. Yeah. I want to really quickly read uh, my favorite quote that relates to all of this. Sure. Um, How a country taxes its citizens is a direct reflection of the country's values. That, to me, was one of the most powerful lines in the entire movie. It just stuck with me because it really shows... I I think it's very accurate. I think it does show what we prioritize as a nation, where our taxes go. Like, are they going into public education or are they going into funding wars overseas? And it really does show who we are. Mm -hmm. So I love that quote because it showed that we don't value equality This isn't something like, oh, a woman is meant to stay in the home. A woman is meant to be a caregiver. There's no such thing as a male caregiver. Like, wow. And by reversing this precedent, we're showing that we value equality. Yeah. Um, And I think it is very telling because it finally took them a man to realize what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. And it's really unfortunate that it got to that point. But it, it was a small enough spark for them to get their attention. And, and I loved how it was actually Martin who brought this case to her. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, Martin. And let's get into Martin just a little bit um, because I want to know your your thoughts of Martin and how he played such a vital role in Ruth's life. I feel like he was just portrayed as the perfect man in every way. He was so supportive. He was by her side. But he obviously has white privilege and he obviously has male privilege and that mm-hmm. is so evident in every room that he walks in where she is by his side the minute he talks about something he's the one who automatically gets respect he's the center of attention even though she is just as knowledgeable as him people look to him yeah. everyone turns to him for guidance oh what do you think about this oh you should lead this case oh she shouldn't lead it you should do it and that must be so frustrating because you want the best for your partner, but at the same time, you don't want your own values and opinions to be diminished. So I have so much respect for Ruth Bader Ginsburg to live in a time like this and to be basically a trailblazer who's one of the first women to go to law school, um, Harvard education, mm-hmm. top of her class, Columbia University, after going to Cornell for undergrad, and then to have this just illustrious career where not only was she a law professor, but she was also an attorney, and she had to jump through so many hoops, so much rejection, and she is one of the female Supreme Court justices and is still doing this at 85 years old. Like, wow. I am so inspired by this movie. So inspired. People should just be inspired by her Mm -hmm. and and all the accolades you just listed, and on top of all the cases that she actually presented and fought and won. And and it's just she sets like you, we're all talking about precedents and stuff, but like just the the norm that America was conditioned to believe in, like women can only do this, men can only do this, and never like the the black and white kind of two two different versions. And and I love how with the whole questioning of everything, like why can't she do it? And she did. She questioned things, she challenged them, and she overcame. And ever since, like, the first case, which, you know, this this film really covers, she just kept fighting even more. Mm-hmm. And the more she won, the, the more people actually gave her attention and respect. So it's just like a snowball of successes in her life. And that's why people praise her now, because of all the things she did overcome in the past 50 plus years and she did have great people around her Her husband still was so supportive he still wanted to take a back seat and and tell her like kind of coach her on what to do he kind of felt like it felt like how kevin undergaro is with maria just like being super supportive and vice versa like i feel like that is such a great relationship where you have two people supporting each other and they have similar goals and they understand the industry whether it's entertainment or law but you have someone who is just fully supportive of what you do and even with her daughter I thought it was so beautiful that she could even learn something from her but in my mind I'm like wow her daughter must be even though her daughter is kind of this rebellious teenager she must be so inspired by her mom to have taken such a such an interest in this in this feminist movement and desire for change and justice I, I loved I loved the dynamic between her and her daughter. It was so beautiful. I completely agree. The, the daughter even challenged her, too. And then I, I think uh, one of the best lines, I, I think, is like... The support like, group one. <laughs> um, support group, but also it's like, she's so stubborn. Huh, I wonder where she gets it from. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's I'm like, yeah, that's great. But even the daughter, because that's what Ruth has been doing. She's been fighting for, for rights and 
and uh, attention in, in that sense to the fact that it, it is robbing off of her daughters. Like, her daughter's doing the same thing in different ways, mm-hmm. but it's still for the same motivation. I don't know any 15-year-olds who skip class to go to a Gloria Steinem rally. <laughs> like, I was pretty I impressed. I was like, wow, okay, she is her mother's daughter. Right. I mean, I didn't do that when I was 15. Yeah, definitely not. Um, but good for her, because Gloria Steinem, also a very strong female activist in, in that sense, and another strong female woman to look up to, mm-hmm. especially during that time. Um so going back to, to the case a little bit, actually, this resembles the Califano versus Goldfarb actual case uh, in Ruth's life. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was actually uh, a man trying to get um, Social Security because his wife died. So a little bit similar in the sense, I mean, granted, this is where Hollywood comes into play, where they kind of change some details Mm -hmm. but the the results still end up the same so that case was actually as i refer back to my notes um it 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 was so the man the man's wife actually died during childbirth Mm -hmm. and he and she had been paying social security payments for 25 years and uh when she died he wasn't getting the social security but if she died, or sorry, if he died, she would still she would be getting get the checks. Wow. But because she died first, he wasn't getting the checks. Because so he's that, a man. He's because he was a, a man. breadwinner. Wow. Yes. So so that's where the symbolism, uh, like, and that's where the parallels of the, the movie's case compared to the real life case. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the Califano verse Goldfarb. It's actually very, fairly fascinating. We still understand it. In both ways, though. And I think they did a great job of just getting the results out because in the end, it was the un- it just saying that this whole law is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So your, your thoughts of the, the actual ending and the whole four-minute rebuttal. I mean, we kind of skipped the, the, the moot court part, but it, it really just plays up to the, the buildup of the final court scene. I thought the way she attacked it was brilliant to go and and set this example like, oh, at one point in time, discrimination on the basis of race was legal. Oh, and now discrimination on the basis of sex is legal. And here are all the different laws. You can read them yourself. Here are all the laws that show how discrimination on the basis of sex is legal. Is this something that you would agree with? I just thought the research that went into it, the the team effort of finding every single law, every single thing that was constitutional, but, you know, maybe not, in fact, moral, was so important because, Mm -hmm. you know, as our country is today, I mean, like, what's legal and what's moral is not the same thing. And I feel like what would make a good country is when those two merge together in a way where we have laws that uphold our country's values and our sense of morality. Um, Even though morality does differ from person to person, I feel like there are general things that we can agree on. Um, But I I don't know, just the way her rebuttal was, like everything she said, I was just, wow. I I can't, like, I wish I had like a, like a, a transcript of everything she just said right now, but it was so great. Uh, yeah, it, it was fantastic. Julia, what, what are your thoughts of the, the four-minute rebuttal? Oh, they're, I mean, the best. I'm all about the rebuttal. I'm all about the rebuttal. 
Yeah, I mean, it was fantastic because she listed so many things that did happen in the past. Like, a hundred years ago, a woman couldn't be a lawyer, and yet I'm st- I'm here right now standing in front of you as a lawyer. Um, it was like all the things that she listed that used to be but aren't anymore, mm-hmm. and she applied it to this con- unconstitutional law. It's like, this used to be one way, but it's not anymore. Mm-hmm. So just in a, in this constant, ever-changing society that we are, yeah. This is, again, with the sign of the times. We need this laws. is now yeah. unconstitutional. It was constitutional 60 years ago. It's not anymore now. And I love that idea of having laws that reflect our current day culture as opposed to maintaining precedent after precedent after precedent because her example was this was a precedent back then then it became a precedent again because of the first precedent then the third precedent became a precedent because of the second precedent so it becomes this never-ending cycle of oh this is just how things are we're doing things out of tradition not out of morality not out of the changing culture and we need to learn how to be an adaptable nation that upholds laws that help any group that's disenfranchised. And I feel like we're seeing that even today with, oh, like, before it was women's rights and men's rights aren't the same thing. Like, oh, women's rights should be separate. There are no women's rights. Now Mm -hmm. it's, oh, what about trans rights? Because trans rights are human rights as well. So whenever there's an issue of whether it's an African-American person, whether it's a woman, whether it's a trans person, then I, I just see it as it's human rights. It's a human rights issue. All of these things that are happening are not like you can't categorize them it's just a human rights issue yeah and that's how they they had to formulate this case where now we have because the the moot court case just like went terribly mm-hmm. and and i think it was a great test for ruth to be like this these are the hard-hitting questions that they're gonna um ask you during the actual court and you have to be ready and argue against them and you can't get emotional and you can't get upset you have to still stand your ground and, and argue about it intelligently and uh, i loved how in the moot court they they agreed that martin was going to present the first case as a tax case and then she would talk about the actual sexism in, involved the the human side of it rather than the the actual numbers side of it i like and i that. think it was a great balance yeah i like that too i know i think she felt like a little frustrated with that but i think it's great to have two people because it strengthens your case and to come in with a white male i think gives it more legitimacy at that time because your your case is going to be treated with with you know more seriousness yeah i loved it it, it was great. <laughs> and then he stumbled a little because he doesn't know anything about the client. He doesn't have the direct relationship with him. Uh, RBG did. Yeah. Um, Ruth took the time to actually fly to Denver, get to know the person, know the history and the back backstory of all of that. And she, with all these meetings over the phones and in person, that she actually got to know Charles and was fighting for him just as a, you don't want to say a friend, but just as a one person who cares about another person. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm fighting for your rights. Fighting for everybody's rights, but especially yours. And and I liked it. It was, like, a good acquaintance that we can believe in and actually root for mm-hmm. at the end. Um, and, it, I mean, it was a great, great case presented in, in that way. And all the good questions that just makes you question just how law actually works. I'm like, man. Um, this made me want to be a attorney, lawyer. Yeah, attorneys is like, it's no like, joke. Yeah. That's why they make the big bucks and we don't. It's like, I want to go to law school now. I just want to learn. 
<laughs> I don't. <laughs> I personally don't. But I have such respect for attorneys because they can do stuff that I can't. Mm-hmm. Like they can argue stuff that I, I would have <laughs> no, you know, courage to do. Um, so and I think it was great in, in that sense. So there was good balance because it did show some equality with a man and a woman fighting for a man. Mm-hmm. It's just executed so brilliantly. I loved it. I loved it. Um, I, I want to know your your thoughts a, a little bit about uh, um, Justin Thoreau. We we had him, Mel Wolf, who who was part of the the whole ACLU um, law firm in in that sense. So, what were your thoughts of his involvement in in Ruth's case and just in the movie and like in him as an actor? I am pulling up a picture right now. Uh, what what were your thoughts on this? Um, I really, I really liked him because I mean, a he he's worked with uh, the director Mimi Leader before in, in Leftovers, but a he he was a good friend that you can tell from the beginning. Like he respected Ruth already, and but also as that man, still questioning her and challenging her in that sense. And I think he he did a great job of being like I. I support you, but I'm not going to help you. Mm-hmm. Like, I support you emotionally, but I'm not going to help you. And until it wasn't, until Dorothy Kenyon and Kathy Bates came in and like, no, you should take this case. Yeah. And then he was fully on board. And I, I enjoyed that. I think we also saw a huge shift in how he treated her from the beginning when he was coaching her and telling her what to say and telling her what would pass and what wouldn't pass to the very end where... The minute that she has a great argument, a great case, and they're taking that break to regroup and to come up with another game plan, he goes outside and he tells her, you did such a great job, like, I'm so proud of you. I thought that was such a great moment, because she's like, well, we didn't get a result yet, and he's like, it's not about that. Your argument was fantastic, and I thought that was such a rewarding moment where he finally, like, legitimized everything, because he's kind of like the tough love kind of guy. Yeah. He's kind of like shaking her up to reality saying this is what goes this is what doesn't go and to be honest i didn't really like his character until the very end i i didn't like him yeah i feel like his character had a bigger arc it did from from the beginning where he he challenged her to the end where he actually now respect her Mm -hmm. um i i think uh he played a great role in just in, in this case and how she formed herself as an attorney because she was arguing one way but it's like no that's not how it actually goes in court you have to fight this mm-hmm. certain, and argue a different way and it just it made her become a better attorney in that sense uh juliet what were your thoughts of justin thorough i'm with you guys there were times in the beginning i was like oh he's rude but then you really see that it's that he's trying to make her better and because he is her friend, he can be rude because people out there are going to be even worse to her. So mm. it's all great practice. And I think that was a great, as you're saying, Mina, it was a great message at the end that, you know what, at the end of the day, there's certain things that we can't control. Mm-hmm. Um, what we can control is just doing our best. And that's really what she did. She brought her A game, had an amazing argument, and that's all that really mattered. Obviously, the fact that, you know, this all turned out great and it has changed America for the better, that's a, great, a very important point. But. This idea that, yeah, your argument was great, and that's honestly all we need. Yeah. And also to get his approval, too. That just really just gave her an extra dose of encouragement. Mm-hmm. 
that she needed for the last four minutes. Yeah, and it allowed her to grow so much because, you know, after this in real life, she uh, he really pushed her to do this some more and just be, uh, taking all these cases for uh, equal sexes, you know. Um, and he had she she really worked with him even closer. So I think this was just the the best way to start this chapter of her life. Yes. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Um, uh, let's move into a little bit of production. So M- Michael Grady, the DP, who's also worked on Leftovers. You know, Mimi Lita likes to work with uh, a lot of the her current c- crews that she she's worked with in the, in the past. Um, but Michael Grady, um, they and, and just the whole production value of this, they had over three hundred different extras hmm. in this film. Obviously, most of them men, especially when it came to the Harvard scenes, and they they dressed them up in the the normal blacks and grays and suits and stuff. But they really wanted to make Ruth stand out. Therefore, the blue. Yeah. What are your thoughts of the just the overall look of the film? I all my eyes were always drawn to what she was wearing, and I just wanted her fashion. I was like, she looks so classy, so put together. And this is during a time where you have to, like, watch out what you wear as a woman, especially if you're a lawyer. I mean, we see this with Hillary Clinton with the with the whole pantsuit criticism mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, why is she wearing this pantsuit? Oh, I don't like this color. Oh, I don't like that. Where who what what male presidential candidate ever gets criticized for his outfit? No one. No one. No one. So it's maybe I for loved, hair, but not for, <laughs> yeah, for maybe, not clothes. Maybe for that, but um. I loved her outfits in the movie. I loved... The blue was just such a royal color, and you saw it shift from this periwinkle light blue in the beginning of the movie to a deep royal blue towards the end, and Mm -hmm. I thought that was a huge, like... I feel like if you really dig into the meaning of that, it's kind of like periwinkle, baby blue is a very, like baby innocent color kind of like a a soft pastel New. but when you go to the royal blue it's very regal it's strong like this just shows so much confidence but in the beginning we saw a lot of light pastel colors we saw cream colors and just the transition over time to when we finally see that end scene and it's the og rvg yeah. and it's that so really good. beautiful royal blue color we're like wow she has arrived this is this is a queen, this is a regal color, this stands out, this is bold, this is fearless, and fashion has a lot to do with, I, I guess, the the feeling you get of a person. It says a lot. In a way, I think it was also her armor. She It was mm-hmm. a way for her to establish herself. We also see all the uh, scarves that she puts in her hair, which are really, really beautiful, and, you know, this has evolved now when she, uh, to, uh, today when she she's famous for always having beautiful collars. Um, and she, they talk a little bit about that in the documentary, how men, uh, you always see part of their tie kind of pop out. And she always thought that was a nice t- touch. And so since she was one of the first women uh, in the Supreme Court's justice having to wear these uniforms, she figured out a way to kind of mix it, match it. And she has so many collars. And I th- thought seeing her as a lawyer with the scarves and then that evolves to the collars was such a nice little touch. Yeah, and not to say it gives her more masculinity, it just gives her more attention that people would give attention to her if she was a man, mm-hmm. you know, and they always say women who wear pants generally have a more alpha, I wear pants all the time, um, it tend to have a more alpha personality because mm-hmm. they, it, it, it's more so that like they think a certain way and they act, they act a certain way that gains a certain type of attention mm-hmm. and that's it's like representing and getting more respect out of it. if you dress more respectfully people will 
in turn give you more respect. Wearing the pants. Wearing the pants, <laughs> literally. Um, so I, I applaud her. I think she always looked great. And even um, Michael Gertie, the, the cinematographer, they filmed a lot of her scenes when she's walking like to court or the, the entrance at the beginning or even um, into the actual Harvard school mm-hmm. and the, the exit walking up to the Supreme Court house. Um, that was filmed in 48 frames per second. And for people who don't know, that's actually slow-mo. Because um, mm. the normal rate is 24 frames per second. But 48 uh, doubles that and makes it more slow-mo. And it just gives, and this is what they said, um, it gave the feeling to en- entering into a new world. Yeah. With this, the slow-mo type of, like, as she's entering school as she's entering the supreme court so and i really like that because usually you see in in films or television show when there's slow-mo shots it's like this is what you should be at focusing attention on mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think it's great her entrances and exits yeah awesome slow-mo motions gotta love it gotta love it um and i think the the editing and the pacing of this film like not once did it ever lose my attention. Yeah, same. I felt like it was a it wasn't too fast, it wasn't too slow. It was just the right pace of what was going on and I, I wanted a little bit more color with her relationship between her and her daughter, even though it was a subplot, but I think mm-hmm. I feel like that relationship really gave us more insight into who she was as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And you see it was kind of like rocky and tumultuous at, at moments, but I think she's a teenager. Yeah, Teenagers are always going to have problems with their mothers or fathers. She's like, I'm 15 years old. Don't tell me what to do. And it's like, okay, relax. Calm down, teenager. (laughs) You're a child. Exactly. And But we do see the progression of the the mother-daughter relationship because it it got to the point where we first saw when she was rebelling, like, to go to the Gloria Steinem. It meant that, but like later on in the film, she also took her daughter out. It was like, here's another woman that you should be yeah. focusing on and paying attention to, which was, you know, Dorothy Kenyon. And she's like, you were mad at me for ditching school and now you're taking me out. But yeah, but, but it was for another woman. Uh, yeah, that, so. this is true. But I love, I love how her daughter speaks up for her and supports her and her loyalty to her mom is unwavering. So even when they're outside and they're, they face the cat callers, and she yeah. just puts them in, in their place. And you see this beautiful moment where her mom is so proud of her. And it's just a light bulb moment where her mom's like, wow, times have really changed. I would have never been able to say that back then. Like, you are so lucky. And it just registers this, wow, everything I do in this legal system is for our posterity. Like, this is a new group coming in. And everything is changing. Everything is getting better People have set a precedent for me ahead of me where I can go to law school. Now I can set a precedent for Mm -hmm. our children and create a better world for them. And I think when you have that intention to leave the world better than it was when you entered it, that's when you really fulfill your life's purpose. Absolutely. And and that whole message of I'm doing this for the future generations, Mm -hmm. not not for me. I'm doing it for other people so other women lawyers can fight, so other girls and just just people in general can fight for what they believe is right Mm -hmm. and i love that message because it doesn't matter what side or what political side you are on or like your your viewpoint so long as you have a more positive influence on future generations that's Mm -hmm. what's important right and i think they they really hit the nail on the head with that i'm like inspirational. it's like yeah girl Get it. Um, let's talk a little bit about the box office. Um, actually, because this movie was supposed to be released 
earlier. Um, it was released back in November. It was supposed to be released, actually, sorry, November 8, 2018, but it got pushed to def- to Christmas, December 25th. Do you think that helped or hindered the film? Uh, I think it hindered it because I don't think anyone's going to watch this movie on the holidays. I, I feel like this is like one of those sleeper films where people aren't just going to go, I, I don't know, like I don't, I don't see that that helping at all because yeah. it's not an action movie. It's not a Marvel movie. It's not a superhero movie. Who's going to go and want to spend time with the family watching this? I mean, I would, but I just think it's hard to get that around the holidays. Right. It's not a family film per se. It's not like you can bring all your little five-year-olds or what have you to this film and they would enjoy it. Right. And I feel like the holidays, especially Christmas, it's big... Um, it's big when you bring families together. And mm-hmm. because it got pushed to Christmas with all the other films that came out, Mary, Pop- Mary Poppins came out on Christmas. Everyone's going to go see that. Yeah, I don't um, think that it had like it. A, a lot of other frontrunners up. So it really didn't help in that sense. I think it would have been better if it got released the November. Um, I agree, screening. especially it's around Thanksgiving time. It's kind of it kind of goes along that line of like gratitude, what you're thankful for. A woman pioneer, a feminist, a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. I think it would have just been better than Christmas, right? So, um, as a domestically February, we're in the beginning of February now to put a timestamp on our show. We are a little late, but we, we this movie is so good. You really can watch it all year long. Um, so it garnered about like twenty three point two domestically, only like less than uh, a million foreign wise because it, it was a very limited release. So worldwide, it's about twenty four million. But reception wise, it's doing pretty good. Rotten Tomatoes seventy one and Tatometer seventy one. So it's pretty consistent mm-hmm. um, throughout. And IMDb six point five. But Cinema Score, which is the audience score, is an A. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm biased, but as a female, yeah. Yeah, Cinema Score A is really high. Ju- Juliet, what are your thoughts on the reception of this? Um, I, I'm kind of disappointed this movie didn't even do better because I think it's a must watch, uh, no matter who you are. It's so entertaining and educational. So, yes, those are good numbers, but I, I need bigger numbers to be happy. Yeah, I, I I definitely think more people should see this. I even when I saw this film, I, I social media out. I was like, more women should see this, more men should see this. Mm-hmm. Just like everyone should see this, I no think, matter what you think. I of. think they should show it in schools. I think it would be a really good educational movie, yeah. whether it's college, high school, middle school. I just think it's a great movie. Yeah, if you're learning about the Constitution, if you're Heck, Harvard should show this movie. Granted, it doesn't show Harvard in the best light yeah. because the dean back then was not the the best man. But I think it is a good teaching tool for future generations. Like, this is how yeah. one is to think, therefore change how other people think. When I have kids, I'm going to show them Legally Blonde, and then right after, once they graduate, <laughs> then it's on the basis of sex. There you go. <laughs> Two Harvard educations, two horrible deans. <laughs> but also, kind of like the same, similar path, no one took them seriously mm-hmm. until they actually worked hard. Exactly. And show them who's boss. Exactly. It's a very so. similar... I don't want to say it's a similar plot line, but it, <laughs> it is, except, obviously, right. one is a little silly. And because this movie was released back in December, it is oscar Times, but it got it completely got snubbed in like every category mm-hmm. for for now i don't even think this movie has any nominations but i think felicity jones definitely had so many moments in this film where it could have easily garnered her 
an Academy Award nomination. Well, why do you think she didn't get a nomination? Do you think the competition was just so fierce? Competition is fierce. I mean, she'd be up against, if she was nominated, she would have been up against Lady Gaga, Star is Born, Melissa McCarthy, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Olivia Coleman, The Favorite, Yalisa Aparicio, sorry, I'm going to completely butcher her last name, for Roma and Glenn Coase wife so a lot of great performances in those mm-hmm. films too you know what i'm super upset about and this is a side note i'm so upset rosamund pike did not get a nomination for a private war because in my opinion that was the strongest performance of the year it was phenomenal i'm so mad like that no one's ever even covered a private war it was so great yeah there, there are a lot of oscar snubs and i feel like this one definitely got snubbed um and then a lot of things like maybe screenwriting and writing and all that. I mean, this this movie definitely could have it does have the attention um, that that should like it should get more attention, I mean, costume, more recognition. Design. Yeah, yeah. Screenplay. I mean, this is a granted. It is a Adapt. first person well. uh, uh, first feature from someone. But even last year, the the post that was written by a first time writer mm-hmm. and that got nominated for best screenplay. So it's. It's not even about that. It's just like this movie should have gotten more recognition. And I think the release time really worked against itself. Mm-hmm. It really hindered that, which right. is unfortunate. Yeah. But the great thing about this film, it is timeless. It is. You It'll could watch it. It'll still be relevant in another 60, 70 years. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if it makes like more money later on. Yeah. It'd be nice if they actually released it worldwide or had like a second release right what have you um and it would get more because now is the time where females are standing up for each other the whole me too movement this is a perfect time to release this film and i I understand why they did it i think if they eventually had this on a platform like netflix it would perform very very well Mm -hmm. yeah like eventually down the road yeah um but other than that anything else about this film that you loved your last final thoughts? Um, the main things that stood out to me, um, I just loved how it showed her work ethic, um, her calm under pressure, and her dynamic with her daughter, and then my favorite, favorite scene that just tied everything together that was the most meaningful to me was the very last scene with the real-life RBG. Mm-hmm. Just goosebumps, tears, all sorts of emotions, full-circle moment, freaking Loved it. Yeah, walking up the steps and really giving this film even more credibility than mm-hmm. it already had. Julius, what were your last thoughts? Um, I just think that the, even though the, just a shout out to the actors, they did a great job just embodying these characters. Uh, I actually have on the screen for our, our YouTube listeners, we have a side by side. Um, and I, I think that they just really, on top of the physicality of it, they really embrace them really, really well. I mean, we do have the documentaries that are out. We do have footage of them. And I just, especially Felicity, she, I think she really embraced all characteristics that she possibly could. And even as far as the accent, I think she really nailed that as well. And I think uh, Army Hammer just really nailed this whole aspect of Martin being so, so nice and just uh, really caring. And I just, I think they did a great job. What are your thoughts about their portrays? Oh yeah, I I completely agree because I'm a big fan of Felicity Jones. I think she's fantastic. Um, She even wore teeth caps um, to to make her 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 mouth and jaw wider and how she spoke just like RGB, 
um, RBG, RBG, sorry, <laughs> goodness, uh, RBG. Um, so she really did take the the actual moments where she physically embodied um, Ruth, and I think she, it was so believable, mm-hmm. and and to the point where I was like, I need to know more about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm-hmm. And I think Army, I mean, he he's always handsome, but it's so great to see such a strong male support such a leading woman mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah, totally agree. Even like they're, they're even fantastic. the little touches in there about her being Jewish and her being female. So she's a minority in several ways. And then also Felicity Jones like taking on a Brooklyn accent when she speaks with a British accent. Yeah, she's British. <laughs> People Everything. wouldn't know. You wouldn't yeah. think of that in, in this film. I liked it. You forget that she's actually not American. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, amazing performances all around: writing, directing, um, script writing. Uh, more people need to see this film. Agree. All right. So, thank you everyone for tuning in to our on the basis of sex discussion. In the meantime, Mina, where can everyone keep following you? You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mina Makes Magic, or go to my website. MinaWahab.com. Thanks so much for joining. There you go. And Juliet, where can everyone follow you? You guys can follow me on Instagram at Bonjour Juliet. There you go. And you can also follow her on the uh, RBG documentary, Anatomy of a Movie, that we did um, back in 2018. Go check out that discussion as well. You can follow me everywhere at Serafini TV. You can follow all of us here on the Popcorn Talk Network at the popcorn talk there you go we're gonna cover a few more academy award films that are coming up because it is academy award season so we're just gonna knock them out for you and uh great more great films to keep talking about so thanks everyone for tuning in we will see you next time see ya from producers maria menounos kevin undergaro phil svitek and the entire popcorn talk network we would like to thank you for tuning in for questions or comments be sure to visit popcorntalk.com I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.